Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. Welcome once again to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. We're going to talk today about persecution in Nigeria. We've talked about this before. Uh, we've kind of adopted a missions organization on this particular podcast, Equipping the Persecuted, started by Judd Saul, who's uh, going to be the one we're, we're going to be talking to today. And um, I, I just, Judd sent me a, an article a few days ago uh, by an independent journalist in Jos, Nigeria, named Asara Kim, and it is heartbreaking. Um, I don't know if I have a public link to it. He sent it to me over email, but if I can get a public link, I'll try to uh, link to it in the info section or, or in the notes so you guys can see what I'm looking at. But what's happening there is we, we talk about persecution happening in this country or starting in this country, uh, discrimination against Christians, um, certain businesses that aren't allowed to operate unless they will celebrate sexual degeneracy. We talk about um, what happened just recently with the shooting in Nashville. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of examples of uh, various ways in which Christians are being um, discriminated against, for lack of a better term. And in Nigeria, though, this is on a whole nother level. This is the, the real persecution, the persecution that we read about in the Bible. And, and, I, and don't think it can't get that way in this country because that is possible. But in Nigeria, it already is this way. And it's Muslims, uh, terrorists, um, Boko Haram. Uh, and I don't know, there's probably a number of groups involved in going into these villages, these Christian villages, and killing as many people as they can. And uh, screaming Allahu Akbar. And, and just, uh, it, it is one of the most sad things that... Um, I've read and, and we're insulated from it. And I think it's very good for a number of reasons to share with you what's actually going on, because number one, it strengthens our faith that people can endure this and they they still know that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, their, their hope is in the eternal realm, which is where our hope needs to be. Number two, uh, I think it sobers us. It makes us ready and more aware of the fact that this could happen, that this does happen. Um, number three, it, it gives us a way to pray for people who we normally maybe wouldn't think about. We're not seeing this stuff in our news reports, but it is happening across the world. And we have an attachment because we share the same father, which is the, the Lord God almighty. And we, we're in the same family of God. And so, um, anyway, uh, that was a bit of a long intro, but I just want to thank you, Judd, for doing all that you're doing to help these people. Um, tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Well, since the Arab Spring that uh, President Obama helped initiate 
after he took office, which was an entire destabilization of the Middle East. Um, you saw a massive amount of radical Islam taking place all over uh, the Middle East and in Africa, Northern Africa. And that has just continued uh, since. And what we're seeing is, is radical Islam being more emboldened and they are um, going into, came in from Northern Nigeria through Niger, through Chad, and they are systematically, slowly but surely, eliminating Christians in the north, and they are moving further south. They take territory little by little by little, village by village by village, and they go in, um, they, they kill as many as they can, and the ones that don't run fast enough, which is usually the children and the elderly, are the ones that get hit the most. And uh, what you're showing pictures of uh, right there on the screen is uh, pictures of the aftermath of a recent attack that happened last week. Actually, multiple attacks happened last week. Uh, one in Benue, uh, Nigeria, um, where over 100 people were killed, and then another 40 were killed in the state of Kaduna. And um, uh, it, with very little pushback from the government, with very little pushback from the Nigerian government. And um, News article, a few news articles came out about it because over a hundred people were killed. So then that, that makes a couple of headlines here, but they keep saying it's tribal violence. It's tribal conflict. It's a lie. What it is, is it's Muslims killing Christians because what happens is they come into the village. They come in with machetes and AK 47s shouting Alu Akbar and murdering children, women, and elderly. And some of the men that try to defend their families and wives get killed too. Uh, Judd, it's heartbreaking reading about this and um, seeing these videos and these images. Uh, let me ask you the obvious question that I think I probably asked you this before, but I think every Christian wants to know just about when they hear this, is there anything being done? Like, can't the government protect them? And if the government can't protect them, can't they fight back? Why aren't they armed? Why don't they have security? And I know one of the things you're doing is uh, equipping the persecuted is supplying things like body armor, walkie talkies, uh, mm -hmm. trying to get um, procedures in place to prevent the extent of the damage that's happened talk to us about that. Why is it that this keeps happening? And is there any way to stop it? Uh, there's, there's only one way to stop it. And that's for the Nigerian government to protect its own citizens. You know, the basic function of government is to protect the innocent and fight evil. It's to protect the innocent and fight evil. Well, the Nigerian government is failing to protect the innocent. Uh, it, it, this stuff happens time and time and again, and um, our current administration, the Biden administration, has actually emboldened the Nigerian government not to do anything. Um, uh, under the Trump administration, Nigeria was put on the terror watch list, uh, which implemented policies and pressure on Nigeria to defend the Christians and, and stop these killings. Well, uh, after Trump got out of office, the first thing Biden did was remove Nigeria from the terror watch list. And they say that uh, there's really not, you know, they, they will just kind of look the other way. The United States government does. And so does the Nigerian government just look the other way and pretend this stuff doesn't happen. So is this a, a, a discrimination of sorts? Is, is this purposeful that the government won't come in and defend these villages? Yes. 
It yes, is. Because, because currently it's a Muslim-controlled regime. It's a Muslim-controlled regime, and they will look the other way when innocent Christians are being killed. That's so disheartening and frustrating at the same time. Um, man, it, it, tell me about your efforts over there, though. I know uh, you've provided supplies to these villages as much as you can to help prevent or at least reduce the number of deaths. Have you seen success with this? Oh yeah, we've we've definitely seen success in our efforts uh, in training uh, village security teams on medical trauma response, uh, basic security awareness, intelligence gathering, where they are able to learn how to gather intelligence and, and get information in case there's a coming attack in the village that they can warn people and try to get as many people out as possible, and also create maybe a first line of defense uh, when attacks do occur, so they can save more lives. And we've had many, many reports from the people we've trained that our training has been very effective and have saved probably well over a thousand lives um, uh, for the ones that we've been able to train. We're trying to ramp up our efforts in doing that. Uh, but the other part of our mission is, is not just preventative, but we also respond and help people who have been attacked. And we try to respond as quickly as, as we can. We try to do it within 48 hours, but depending on the security situation on the ground, it has to be safe for our team to go to that area to help them out. And that's giving them food, medicine. We send doctors, uh, antibiotics, sleeping mats. Because what happens is after an attack, I mean, literally everything they owned is now destroyed. Your house, everything you owned is gone. And the only thing you have left is what you ran away with on your back. And that's it. Um, and then in certain situations, which uh, you can show a couple pictures uh, yeah. in a little bit here, uh, we find people that have been wounded uh, that need treatment and they can't afford their medical bills. Uh, and that's in most cases, the severely wounded, they can't afford to pay medical bills. No one is treating them for free. The Nigerian government or hospitals, they're not covering any of their medical costs. These people then have to pull what little they have left to try to get surgeries to recover from their wounds. Um, one of them in the case uh, is a gal who was eight months pregnant. She was attacked uh, by machetes, uh, lost her baby, and she's now fighting for her life. And the hospital wouldn't operate until they had money. Is and that so, this particular, this uh, individual here? Uh, no, this is uh, mm -hmm. this is Abigail Moses. Um, she was from the same. It was from the same attack, same village. Um, she was. She lost um, uh, the movement completely in her right arm. Obviously, she had multiple cuts with machetes on her neck and and all the way down her arm. And uh, so her 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 arm is now useless and can't uh, function again. But we helped pay for her surgery as well to help her recover. Um, that's where your money is going when you donate to equipping the persecuted. It's going to help people like this who, uh, who who have been persecuted for their faith. Yeah, and, and you know, and what you're seeing there, scrolling through pictures. I mean, this is this is what happens in these attacks. You need to have time to properly bury people. They literally yeah. had to like they had enough time to bury shallow grave and bury them right where they were killed and leave because the enemy was coming back. The Muslim, uh, the Muslims were coming back to fully take over the village and they had to bury them right where they were killed and didn't even have proper time for ceremony or burial for these guys. That's so sad. 
Um, can I? All right. So obviously, I'm a guy interviewing you, and maybe it would be different if I wasn't. But I got to ask the question. Uh, we have a Second Amendment in the United States, and most state constitutions have similar language that, under certain circumstances, will allow you to carry a firearm, defend yourself. Is there anything equivalent to that in Nigeria? No. So they can't no. have firearms. That well. Uh, the terrorists can have firearms and it seems like they don't get prosecuted for having firearms, but the innocent and the civilians in their villages, if they got caught with a firearm, they actually get prosecuted. So he here's one of the things um, we're going to be talking about this. I might bring up this exact scenario uh, next week. I'm going to do a live stream on uh, a book by Pierre Beret on um, government and the church or Christians and government. And, um, this is a good question to start asking when, as things progress in our own or regress in our own uh, society, at what point, and I, I don't expect you to weigh on this unless you want to, Judd, but at what point do you say, you know, we have a responsibility to protect our families and our communities and our church. And if the government's not going to do it, then we need some, we, we need a lesser magistrate here. We need an organization yeah. that's going to do this. And, and, and you know if, if maybe pull resources to to pay lawyers fees if we get prosecuted or something i don't know but it it frustrates me and i understand these christians probably just want to romans 13 right in their minds that's what they think they're doing submit to the government follow the rules but this is what happens when the government is stacked up against you the rules are not being followed and it's right. preventing husbands and fathers from fulfilling their own responsibilities to protect their family. I don't know what you think about that, Judd. I mean, it's kind oh, of no, no, no. Um, you have a biblical right to defend yourself. You have a right to defend your family. This is, this is, this is a, you know, for some reason, this was not a foreign concept until a few hundred years ago where Christians have a right to defend themselves. A man has a right to protect his family. But uh, like I said, Nigeria uh, and other places, some very terrible pietistic doctrine got into some of these churches and um, emasculated uh, many Christian men where they thought it's a sin to defend themselves and defend their family. Uh, they took the uh, heretical John Piper approach to this. Yes, I dropped his name because I think it's silly and stupid uh, to have this naive, passive, emasculated Christianity where a man can't protect his family. Uh, it's a fundamental right in the United States to defend yourself. And if you look at every other country that doesn't have, that doesn't allow the ability for its citizens to defend themselves, look at what's happening. Look at yeah. what's happening all over the world where people can't defend themselves. You have an oppressive government, but if you have an oppressive government uh, that's not following the rules, well, other people who are more violent and a little more, uh, <laughs> just, you know, I say uh, mafia oriented, like, like the radical Islamic terrorists, the government's now afraid of those guys and they won't come after them because those guys have more guns and are meaner than the Nigerian government. It, it sounds like the uh, Mexican drug cartel problem. Exactly. <laughs> it sounds like pretty similar to it. Um, all right. So you're not just providing supplies which which is good, you know, that needs to happen, but you're also providing some uh, teaching. I know I've oh, seen yes. clips of um, like Pastor Sam, who who I know and and others uh, that are connected to you have gone over there. And are, are you trying to dispel this pietism and 
get them to yes. understand their responsibilities. Good. Yeah, we're trying to dispel the pietism, and we're trying to teach them a, a masculine biblical Christianity, and encouraging encouraging them to be involved in their civil government. Have it, it, does Jesus rule just a little part of your life, your private life, or is Jesus supposed to rule all, over all of your life? That's your politics. That's your job. That's everything you do. And we're also encouraging pastors to if if there's somebody in their congregation that is is called to politics and is you know has a calling and has a passion to get in the political process well the best thing for a pastor to do is become a mentor to that person to give them spiritual guidance and not kick them out of the church and pretend that politics is evil and let that guy go into politics and suffer to his own devices um we're teaching christians and pastors to be engaged and have Jesus rule every over every aspect of your life, including your politics, including your families. And um, we've had so many pastors come up to us in tears because they were taught that even it, engaging in politics was a sin, that talking about politics was a sin. That's insane. That's just and, insane. And, and, and just because, and we're teaching them, no, it's okay. They were in tears because they've always been conflicted inside it and didn't make sense to them. Where, like, I don't know, you probably don't know the full history, but where in the world is, is it the first missionaries who went to Nigeria or the, the I'd, I'd say the missionaries in the last, you know, 400 years or, or so, were they pietists and, the, and that just got ingrained or like, where did this come from? Yeah, it's a very, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's pietist doctrine. And, right. I'm just wondering, what and, denomination are, are the, the people? Are, are they any denomination? Is it just kind of like uh, evangelical? Uh, Lutherans and Baptists. Oh, Lutherans. Okay, that might make sense then. There's certain sectors L of yeah, Lutherans. Lutheran, are... Baptists, and, and then various other forms of different denominations that came in. Uh, and that's that's really where a lot of that came in and started. Yeah. And then, and then you have the other problem in Nigeria, which is the hyper-prosperity, uh, nutty... Uh, I call it the kooky charismatic side of things where, you know, it's, it's just all about health, wealth, prosperity, and talking about anything negative must be sinful because it's negative. We have to correct that doctrine too. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a whirlwind of, of chaos as far as doctrines go. We have it same here in the U S yeah, yeah. but, but there it's a little more on the extremes of both sides. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I, you hear a lot of the times the global South is um, there's more Christians and, and I, I don't doubt that there might be, and it is, it might be growing at faster rates and all of that. But I, I have wondered at times, well, what kind of Christianity is, are, are we talking about here? Is it the Benny Hinn variety of Christianity uh, where it, it's, you're telling these impoverished people that they can be rich, like, like him. And, uh, Mm -hmm. It's, you know, and I'm not accusing these people of not being Christians necessarily. I'm just saying that they're, um, there's just a lot of bad teaching. And so it's good that you're over there trying to correct some of this and, yeah. and that you're, you're experiencing success. Um, I know at some point I'd love to go over there and, and just see what's happening. Um, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, my, my wife might worry a little bit with uh, everything that's happening in the news, but you know, it, it's, these are my brothers and sisters. That's kind of how I feel about it when I re read an article like that in Christ. And um, I'm not saying I, I'm, I don't have this guilt thing, right? That a lot of the more social justice minded people do that like, oh man, it's so terrible. I'm in prosperity in America or something. Like, I don't think that at all. I'm, I'm more like, 
I do have prosperity in America. So I have the ability to go and bless these people in ways mm -hmm. that people in their own country can't. And, and that should not be taken for granted. And can I, can I, can I go on a quick rant? Yeah. Rant please. <laughs> okay. So, um, more word has been getting out about our mission and what we're doing. And some of the biggest blowback I get are from the America first, America first. Why are we messing around in other countries? America first. We have homeless veterans in America. Um, I, I actually get these comments quite a bit. And um, I, I just want to address this because if some people are thinking this, just let me say this. Uh, there's over a thousand nonprofit organizations in the U.S. to help homeless veterans. And there might be about 20,000 homeless veterans in the U.S. There's a thousand organizations to help vet veterans in the United States. There's about 20,000 uh, homeless veterans for, for various reasons. Um, there's a safety net here in the United States. There's a real safety net. If somebody gets sick, if somebody get, has an emergency, there's an ambulance that's going to eventually pick them up and take them to the hospital. If something bad happens, if there's a break in, there's robberies, majority of the time in the U.S. we can count on police responding at some point in time. The poorest, the poverty line in America is somebody that makes, uh, I think, around 18000 a year, somewhere around there. The poorest in Nigeria, their poverty line is somebody that makes $50 a month. Wow. A good job in Nigeria is somebody that makes $100 a month. That's a good job. That's a job that people strive for. Somebody that makes 100 equivalent to 100 us dollars a month. Uh, there is no safety net in Nigeria. There is no, there is no rescue efforts. If somebody gets sick, if somebody gets hurt, there's no ambulance to pick them up. It's usually their friends and fellow villagers that throw them into a car and try to take them to a hospital, uh, where, uh, if you don't pay up front, they don't help you. There is no safety net. There's, there's, there's nothing. Uh, so when people say America first, America first, uh, they really have no idea how privileged they are. And yes, I'm using the word privilege because we in America are privileged. And a lot of people that haven't left this country and seen the other parts of the world have no idea how lucky they really are. Yeah. Well said, well said, uh, couldn't agree more. Um, and, and obviously we do want to be mindful of those in our proximity to us around us who are in need and help our mm -hmm. neighbors. But uh, your local church, I think I've said this before, is the first place to uh, give your donations, give your money. But it doesn't mean that we can't also help people on the other side of the world. I mean, the churches did this for Paul. He wasn't yeah. even at their local church and they would supply needs and so forth. So it, it's um, yeah, that's, that's kind of disheartening that there's people who would try to like, I, I guess the assumption too, Judd here is that like there's this big pool of money sitting around and we have the option of putting it somewhere. And that's just not the case. There isn't a big pool of money sitting around. It's people voluntarily giving. Mm -hmm. It's not like if they didn't give to you, they would surely give to a veterans organization. Who knows? They might spend it on right. a boat. Not that that's even wrong, but it, right. it doesn't, it doesn't mean that like, uh, that, that this money is just sitting there. Wait, wait, that that's actually kind of like a big government way of looking at it in my mind. It is. Of like, it's, 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 it's a, it's a socialist way of looking at it. It is a socialist way of looking at it. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and, and, and it's totally wrong. And people like 
we're privately funded. If you are called and it's laid on your heart to donate to our mission, we encourage it. Bingo. Yeah. Okay. But if, if you're called and you, you know, you feel a calling to give to whatever the Lord calls you to give to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. You're but, not guilting anyone. <laughs> you're just right, saying this but, is a need. And if you feel the Lord wants you to help meet it, then it's, but it's, it's not a, you know, the thing is it's it, everyone puts things into an either or scenario. Yeah. Things. It's like, and, and one thing I want to address is and say is that we as Christians are called to help our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that are in need. First, Jesus said there will always be poor, but there are many scriptures in the Bible that tell us that we need to take care of the widows and orphans within our church, within our right. churches, within our own. If we can't take care of our own that are suffering, how are we going to how are we going to help the rest of the world? And what kind of example are we showing to the world if we're not taking care of those in need that are within our own body? Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, good point and totally agree. Um, you know, my church, I, I live in an, an area that, uh, I mean, it's fairly affluent. There's a lot of people from New York City who live in my area. They commute, so they don't have a lot of time, but they do have money, many of them, because they're they're living in a cheaper area out in, I guess I'm in a suburb now. It wasn't that way growing up, but now we're in range of New York City commuters. And, um, you know, that to me... I look at my church and I think there, I'm, I know that there are needs, right? But it's not, it's nothing like what's happening in Nigeria. And it, when, when we're taking care of our own already, that, that gives us the flexibility to then say, okay, like right. where else can we invest our finances? Mm -hmm. And so um, I would just encourage Christians listening to this to consider that themselves. If, if you feel, if you look at the needs around you and you think, you know, things are pretty, we're pretty much taking care of it. The Lord's blessed us then what can you then take and bless to others? And I'm not guilting anyone. I'm not saying you can't buy a boat if, if you think that the Lord wants you to buy a boat for your family or what, not saying that's a sin or evil or anything. I'm not David Platt here, you know, trying to guilt you or anything. But, uh, but you know, the, I think this, this works through the, the spirit of the Lord working on your heart, hearing a podcast like this, getting the information. And then what is, does that resonate with you? Is the Lord doing something in your heart? And uh, so you can go to equippingthepersecuted.com uh, if you org.org, right? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> equippingthepersecuted.org. Uh, you're also on Facebook, Equipping the Persecuted. Uh, I don't know where else you, you are, but um, other social media links as well, I'm assuming, are on the website. Yeah, you can look my name up, Judd Saul, on Twitter. Yeah, so so go find Judd Saul on Twitter and, and you can find out more about this. Uh, have any Ke Kevin Sorbo events coming up or is that all done? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, nothing, nothing planned, nothing okay. planned in the future. We're, 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 I don't know how we're going to, we had a fundraiser. We had Kevin Sorbo come speak. It was really great. Um, I don't know how we're going to top that off next year. Perhaps we bring John Harris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. which, which is more of a draw, more of a draw than, than Hercules himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, that would be, uh, you know, yeah, that'd be great. I think I'd, I'd want to go see see what you're doing firsthand in Nigeria. I'd be more equipped to speak on it if uh, that happened. But um, anyway, I just want to encourage people. Uh, Judd, keep keep doing the good work. Final question, and it's unrelated, but people know you from enemies within the church. Uh, you still selling DVDs? Still, every day. Yeah, every making day. An impact. Good. Every day, it's making an impact. New people are finding out about the information. Um, it 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 went grassroots viral. 
you know, Good. Big Eva, Big Eva kind of uh, put the kibosh on letting people know about our film, but the grassroots has embraced it and they love it. Yeah. And uh, we are in pre-production and planning part two right now. That's awesome. Uh, I don't know if I told you that I was at an event uh, on the Chinese Communist Party a few weeks ago, and I asked at the event a question. I, I asked why Christians in particular don't ever talk about the threat from the Chinese Communist Party. It's it's like forbidden in some places. I mean, many don't know this, but this I, I think this is the case. And uh, even conservative talk show hosts uh, are fairly reluctant to talk about the, the that threat. So anyway, I, I just asked this question. And one of the panelists uh, at this event said, everyone here needs to go see enemies within the church. <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, I don't know if she recognized that I was in that film, but she was telling and, and she says, Trevor Loudon is doing some great work. And apparently she was at the event at Mid-America. And she said, I was at this event at this seminary and they wouldn't even let Trevor show it because the corruption is and she was just going on. And I I thought, wow, like. You know, I wasn't expecting that. This is a political event. I so it's getting out there into areas that people didn't probably assume it would go in mm -hmm. political conservatism, and um, and, and that's distilling and going to people in the pews as well. Well, so, it, we've we've had we've had so many pastors reach out to us and say after watching the film that they repent, they were wrong, they were in the wrong direction, and they're correcting those errors. Um, we know several set, I mean, I, I can't tell you the number. Um, I think well over a hundred churches since watching our film has left the SBC. Wow. And, uh, many people have quit given to these Christian organizations that they thought were solid that are now pushing the woke agenda. Yeah. So the film may not have gotten mainstream success and, and, and everything else, but the people that have watched it, it has affected them. And it has made some changes. And that's all we were looking to do when we made it. I'm sure Conservative Baptist Network and others trying to do be an influence in the SBC are thrilled <laughs> at that. But, you know, to be honest, and I've said this for a while now, like I don't see any other really. If you're a local church, you're considering your options. And do you want to go every year, spend all the money, spend all the time, get a migraine? Uh, at an annual meeting where you lose everything or do you want to like leave and be separate from that group like it, it, it's pretty much a no-brainer in my mind and i know that makes some people mad out there but um we, we see this year after year after year and, and the more churches that keep leaving the the less likely the sbc is to return to any kind of orthodoxy and uh mm -hmm. and, and, well, and and so speeding up the pro i was just gonna say though what you're doing speeding up the process of that happening is probably good because the sooner that if this is the way it's going to go, right, the mm -hmm. sooner people are out, the sooner that that whole machine dies. So, right. And then, and then, and then on a personal level, what is your church funding or, or yeah. what, what, where, where are you giving your money? Are you giving your money to an organization that's actually promoting the gospel, spreading the gospel, or are they promoting now a woke false gospel agenda? And, how can you in good conscience, because you had some nostalgic feeling about it, continue to fund what it has become? And a lot of pastors, a lot of churches and, and people donating these organizations have come to the realization that it's not what it used to be 20 years ago. And so they stopped. And um, like I said, we made the movie to hopefully wake up people and make a change. And, you know, uh, the Lord carried us through the whole way, the, through the whole process and uh, we were obedient. People told us to give up many times. Why are you doing this? You shouldn't do this. You should do this. You're being divisive. Uh, but um, 
we kept it we stayed in obedience we made it and it's having an effect a positive effect yeah no praise god for that uh brother well uh you can go to equipping the persecuted.com look up the equipping the persecuted on facebook find judd saul on twitter uh god bless judd thank you thank you for having me on john good to see you as always mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.